This is First Up on TSN 1050. You first, you're last. Welcome into the fourth hour of First Up on this Wednesday morning. Karolnik and Koliakovo with you, much like the phone lines at NHL Trade Registry have been on fire. So are ours here at TSN 1050. We'll open them up for Wake Up Woodbridge. I guess all the lines are actually completely full. So if you're trying to call in, give it a moment because we've got a full slate of calls. And Chrissy, why delay anymore? Let's hear from the Pete Good People uh, calling in on Wake Up Woodbridge. Let's do it now. Time to make the call. Now, what's this number? Who making this call? I don't know what's this number. What is this number? Wake up, Woodbridge. Buongiorno. Wake up, Woodbridge. That's right. So wake me up when All right, so Kyle Dubas making move after move yesterday, trading Sandine to Washington for Gustafson in a first. Then he trades Pierre Engvall to the Islanders for a third and brings home Luke Shen from Vancouver for a third. It's been a wild couple of weeks in Leafsland. And let's start off Wake Up Woodbridge with Jack from Brantford. You are on the program. What's going on, Jack? No, my name's Zach. I think uh, we got a little mixed up there at the beginning. We're calling you Jack. All right. I, yeah, yeah you you're, you're still Jack. <laughs> I've been called a lot worse. What's up, man? Uh, I, I, I just want to think uh, for a second here. This is a great team that they put together. Uh, I don't think that they have what it takes to get past Boston, though. Uh, I could see them getting past Tampa, but uh, Boston's just looking way too strong. Well, thank you for the call, Zach or Jack. But I mean, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> Boston might have the most wins in NHL history this this regular season. So that's not an outlandish take from Zach. But at the same time, you got to do everything you can do to put yourself in a position. To, to play beat a Boston. team like Boston, beat a no, team just, like Tampa, just to yeah, play that's Boston. exactly. <laughs> sure, well, exactly. Yeah, you got to get to the second round. Although, who knows? Right. Uh, you know, maybe the Islanders can upset the Bruins. It's stranger things have happened in in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But yeah, I mean, do I think the Leafs would be the favorites against Boston? No, I, I don't think anyone nobody would will. be favored against Boston. Nor should they. Boston's having a historic season. They've got the Vezina Trophy winner. They've got a guy who might win the Rocket Richard Trophy. They got an unbelievable team, but. Leafs have a pretty good team themselves. I think what they've done is put themselves in a position to at least compete with Boston on a number of levels, and I think that's all you can ask for, right? I totally agree. I mean, just look at the games they've played Boston this year. Um, the first game at home, they beat them by one goal. The second game in Boston, they lost in the last minute of the game. And then the third game, it was the last game before the All-Star break, and they got their lunch handed to them. But... Um, they're a different team now. They look different. They 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 have different players. Different. At the end of the day, when you get to the second round of the playoffs with eight teams remaining, you worry about playing the Boston Bruins then, because in a seven game yeah. series, you got six new guys. Yeah, in six a seven game series the against them, played. anything can happen. Let's go to our next caller, Brian in North York. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Uh, Long time listener. Listen to you guys every day. Um, really enjoy it. Appreciate uh, it. What if the Leafs went out and got someone like Jonathan Quick from Columbus that just got traded and flipped Matt Murray? Wow. Um, look, I, I I don't think you can put anything out of the question here. I, I don't see a move like that being something that 
the Maple Leafs are looking at doing. If anything, they're going to try to help supplement the depth of the position. I don't think they're, you know, you, you bring in, you, you, you send out Matt Murray to bring in Sean the Quick, who's had his own struggles this year. I mean, like, why? there's a reason why he got traded is because he lost his job in L.A. to a guy, Phoenix Copley, who has had no NHL experience. So I know he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a sexy name. He brings, you know, uh, great credentials, but I know people want to fall in love with the next sexy item on the, on the market, but I don't think Jonathan Quick is the answer to goaltending in this team. No, and it's not like the L.A. Kings or some poorest defensive team. They're not, it's not the Anaheim Ducks or the Columbus Blue Jackets we're talking about. L.A. is a good team, and Quick has really struggled. You look at what Copley's done in his stead. I mean, he's been much, much better. So I don't know if Jonathan Quick is going to come in and all of a sudden turn his game around at age 37, uh, the way he's been trending this year. Let's go to line four, Nino in Whitby. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. How's everybody doing today? Interesting times in Leafland. It's fun, isn't it? It is. Carlo, I caught you last night on uh, on the Hockey Illuminati uh, pro- podcast. Great job. <laughs> made a lot of Thanks, great buddy. points. Frankie's Thank awesome. You. So are you. It was great to see you guys on there. And uh, But uh, I'm telling you, you know, you said it best last night. Goaltending really hasn't been the issue for the last two playoff runs. Right. And the way that uh, Dubas is you know, finally made some of these moves. But, you know, these moves are hard to make. I guess the timing was right. Uh, you know, it all falls with his last year of his contract. But he's finally addressed what everybody's been screaming about for years. So I think he's given this team an ample opportunity, a great opportunity to get over that hump. And and the last caller was saying, you know, a few callers back said, I don't think they'll beat Boston. Well, he's given them every opportunity to do that. And I think if they can get over this hump, the sky's the limits for this team. Couldn't agree more, Nino. Couldn't agree more. Thanks for the call, buddy. Nino from Whitby on Wake Up Woodbridge. Uh, Joe in Toronto, you're on the show. What's up? Joe? Joe, we got you. Line five, Chrissy? I guess not. All right, we'll move on to to another. Co- oh, oh, we do have Joe on the line. All right, Joe, go ahead. How you guys doing, fellas? Joe, awesome. what's happening? Uh, good. Uh, just the first caller that was talking about not being able to uh, beat Boston. Boston's going to win the cup. The, the fact of that is that when was the last time a President's Trophy winner had won the cup? It's been over a decade that it's happened, and there's a reason why, because it's really hard to do. So, like, you can't just base it on the fact that you're going to lose to the Bruins in the second round just because they're going to have a season – you got to play the games, buddy. you got to yeah, play the games. Remember, Tampa Bay, 127 points, and they lost. They got swept by Columbus. So anything can happen in the postseason. But the thing I want to talk about is a lot of people are confused about why they traded Sandine. And what a lot of people aren't talking about is the fact that him and Nylander share the exact same agent. And they've had problems with signing Nylander when they originally signed him to that six-year deal. And now they're having, they had trouble with him. He only signed at the end of training camp because somebody got hurt. And he signed a bridge deal. So they were going to have uncomfortable conversations this summer with one year left on his RFA deal. And they were going to have to either commit or not commit to him. So if you're going to get maximum for a defenseman like him, it was now. And to get a first-rounder and a guy who's going to put up over 50 points. And in my personal opinion, should be a PP1. I've always never been a big Riley guy in the power play. But um, to get that kind of acquisition back was a, a really shrewd move by Dubas and I understand why it was going to do that because I don't think they were going to be able to resign Sandine anyways. Yeah, well, it was also could have been uh, provoked by
by the agent too, knowing that Sandine was going to be the odd man out again in the playoff time and probably said, look, this isn't going to work. We tried to make it work and we try to find some someplace else to make it work. And Dubas was able to capitalize that on that. I mean, considering you get a first round pick for him now, if he goes the rest of the season not playing much and another playoff without playing at all, how much does his value diminish? So you yeah, got a first for, round pick for him. For this year, he's not going to play on your power play. He's not going to play in your penalty kill. He might not play in your top six. And then for future years, I mean, he's never going to be a penalty killer for you. And he may never quarterback your power play, which is something he's probably best suited to do. So in that case, I think it makes a lot of sense to move on from him, recoup a couple of assets, and give another player who you drafted and developed an opportunity to thrive elsewhere. Let's go to line three. Chris from Brooklyn. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, you know it's a big couple of days in Leafland when you guys unscheduled schedule a wake-up footprint. <laughs> right. You're right, Chris. You're right. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's crazy. But, uh, look, I, I've already said this. You know, D- Dubis has done a, a, an amazing job for the most part as a Maple Leafs GM. I think the big thing for me is if, if I'm the big five players, you know, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, and Riley – I got to be saying to myself, man, like we have to find a way to get over that first round hump as the core players to set the example. But what Dubas has done is he's not putting all his chips, you know, all in for those five players because he's built out some serious depth on the mm-hmm. third and the fourth line. Like AK, I heard you earlier just comparing what Sheldon Keefe will have available to him if we get to a Game 7, this time in the first round against Tampa Bay versus last year. No disrespect to those players, but you give yourself every chance. And I said this a few weeks ago, if we win the first round, the psychological lift for, for the players and, of course, for the fan base to be able to celebrate could really propel us far into the playoffs. And no, doubt. no series is a given. Yeah, no doubt, man. Good points, Chris. Always enjoy your calls and uh, fun times. Let's keep the fun times rolling. With, uh, we're up against the clock here, so let's get to our final caller, Frank and Markham. Frank, what's, what's up, up this morning? Hey, good morning, guys. Um, Carlos, uh, you guys and Aaron, you guys always talk about putting players in their right spot, like down in the lineup where they belong. Roll to find. Exactly. What Kyle Dubas did yesterday in the last couple of days, like, you're top six now, and the beauty of my job, I'm always on the road, I'm driving all day, listening to Overdrive and Mike Johnson. He said it when he, he said what needs to be said. You have a top four now that doesn't include Morgan Riley. When the Leafs are on home ice in the playoffs, you can pair them on the third pair with Luke Shen, get him out of those tough matchups, and just let Morgan Riley play offensive hockey, Against the other, uh, against Seven Bay third and fourth lines, you got a solid top four now. You know, I don't think they're going to flip that first round pick, but what a trade. You got that in your back pocket if you need it. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you know, you luck stats. I'm not a big stat guy. I'm the opposite of Al's brother. You know, you got, <laughs> that's a good you thing know, for you, Frank. <laughs> oh, 100%, 100% is. Um, 2.4% of players drafted in any given draft year from pick 25th to the last draft, last overall draft pick, play 100 games in the NHL. I heard that. I love that stat. So we're trading all these draft picks, but you know what? We got a solid core here, and I believe, in my opinion, that 
most of the guys are going to resign. So this window is open. And what we're doing now, we got players for multiple years in McCabe and Lafferty, and I think O'Reilly is going to resign. These are unbelievable, unbelievable moves. You can't have a negative opinion. And like you guys said earlier, it's on the team now to uh, back up Kyle and finally, for the first time in 18 years, do something we've all been waiting for and, and, and obviously all celebrate it. Not what we want, the main goal, but it'll be a step in the right direction. Um, you got to love this as a, as, a, as a Leaf fan. There is no negativity here. We just got to perform now. Uh, it's a lot of fun. You're right. You're absolutely uh, thank right, you for thank you for the call, Frank. And man, this city is just so desperate for some playoff success. And I think back to the Raptors in 2019. We'll talk to Jake Fisher, Yahoo NBA Insider, on the other side, just storming the streets in celebration. If they were to win a Game Seven in the first round, this city would <laughs> burn down. Right. The level of excitement would be something uh, unparalleled because it's been so long. Since we've seen it, 2004, I was in high crazy. school. It's just crazy to think about what uh, could happen and may happen, but it's a long way to go. The Leafs and the Oilers tonight, which should be an outstanding game. Uh, puck drop just after 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Jake Fisher on the other side about the Raptors. Big win for them yesterday against the Chicago Bulls. They've got a big one against the Wizards tomorrow. A little home-and-home home action against Washington. And I'm curious to know what Jake's heard about the future of Pirtle. Uh, of course, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet. Lots of moves were discussed before the deadline. What could happen in the offseason? What does he make of what he's seen from the post-deadline Raptors? We'll talk to Jake Fisher next. It was a big one for the Toronto Raptors down at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto last night. They beat the Chicago Bulls 104-98, to a crucial one for their hopes to make the playoffs, maybe make the play-in, depending on how you look at it. And, of course, a couple big games coming up against the Washington Wizards over the next three nights. Let's welcome in a man who knows hoops as well as anyone. He is the senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports and the author of Built to Lose, how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever it's jake fisher here on the show what's up jake how you guys doing thanks for having me it's our treat buddy thank you for doing this what have you made of the post deadline toronto raptors that was an impressive showing against a bulls team that i mean they desperately needed a win and then you kind of look at it compare and contrast it against the performance against cleveland the previous game a team in the east that might be a little bit ahead of where both the Raptors and the Bulls are. What do you make it of the Pirtle Raptors? And they're just clearly have so much more resistance defensively, especially in the paint, which is obviously something that I think a lot of Raptors fans have been clamoring for for a long, long time. And I mean, all, all the intel suggests that Toronto's been clamoring to bring Jakob Pirtle back since they sent him down south to San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard. So. Um, you know, while there was all this messaging that they could have been big sellers, they were always linked to Pirtle. And, I mean, it was a bit surprising, right, that they didn't actually, you know, go through a whole fire sale and that they instead just brought Pirtle back up north. But that part particularly wasn't exactly a shock. And I think the success level he's had being that he's got some familiarity with, um, you know, Nick Nurse and with the franchise. And I remember I, I went down to Sacramento in November when the Spurs were out there and I sat down with Jakob and 
he kind of told me something along the lines of, I'm not exactly a player that, like, commands the ball. I find myself to be someone who can kind of be a plug-and-play offensive player, a ball mover, someone who helps the flow of the offense, and I know my role is on defense. So it's, it's not exactly uh, – I, I don't think it's a huge shock that he's just kind of come in and, and, and really cemented himself as a key figure here. Jake, when you look at the Raptors and the approach they made at the deadline instead of the approach they should have made by being sellers – this team together with Pirtle now, do you think they have a chance to be a team that nobody wants to play come playoff time? I think so. I don't know if there's really any team in the playoff picture on any side of the conference that, that teams are going to want to be playing. It's just the league is so bunched up when you get past, you know, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets, for example, are going to just be – super long and switchable and just have wing after wing after wing that I think will give certain teams certain matchups problems. You know, the Knicks are as feisty as any team in the league. Miami's down there at seven now where they've got championship pedigree. Atlanta's got a new coach at Chris Snyder. They've got Trey Young. Like, I think all these top nine are, are just, you know, depending on the matchup, depending on the night, depending on who's, which role players get hot from deep. I think the playoffs are going to be just a slugfest for pretty much everyone. So, we definitely put Toronto right in that group, especially with you know, multiple all-star talents and Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam. Um, and there's this, this still obviously the bones of a championship contender here from four years ago. So, yeah, I think they're only four games out of the six seed right now. You know, one eight of the last ten. Certainly seems like a team with a lot of momentum in a part of the bracket where you know, Brooklyn has been struggling, Miami has been struggling, the Wizards behind Toronto um, aren't exactly like a like a, a gigantic threat. So could we see them rise up to the sixth seed like a year ago? It's, it's certainly possible. Our guest is Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports. Big night tonight for the Phoenix Suns as Kevin Durant expected to make his debut, his first game with the Suns. I mean, they've been really good basically since Booker's come back, and they're looking like a team that is definitely on the up and up. Do you put Phoenix at the top of the West as far as the contenders go? Would you have Denver in that spot? How do you view the Western Conference at the top, Jake? I think you have to give credit to Denver where credit's due. I mean, they've just kind of been running away with this for a little while now where even in the East, you know, it's, it's Milwaukee and Boston kind of battling up top and there's a five-and-a-half game cushion between Denver and anybody else. Um, with Phoenix, they're, they're going to be dangerous, right? I think adding Kevin Durant to a team that already made the finals a year or two years ago, so they, they gave away two key Contributors three, actually, when you factor in Jay Crowder, who I spoke to last night after their game uh, here in Brooklyn. Um, but I think when it comes to Phoenix, the biggest question is going to be health. And Kevin Durant has had, you know, multiple, multiple knee injuries throughout his Brooklyn Nets tenure. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, I think Chris Paul is is clearly the, the more injury-prone of the two, although Devin missed a bunch of time this season, and he's he's approaching 40. So, I mean, the talent is there. The, the talent is obviously there. DeAndre Ayton is really flourishing this season, especially after all the curious circumstances from the end of the postseason. And, you know, he had to go out and get an offer sheet this summer. But 
Um, they're going to have as much firepower and talent as anyone. I think the um, the uh, Terrence Ross addition on the buyout market will be uh, critical. Um, the play of Josh Okogie and Tory Craig has been, you know, such a huge boost for them. It's just it's really going to come down to health, and that, that's going to be the case for any team. Any team needs some good injury luck, both on their side and on the opposite side of the ball. Um, but I think Phoenix in particular, just the fact that they, they're, they're rooted in two players with such massive salaries who are, you know, well past 30 and have injury histories, just, it's just a slight bit of a, of a concern for me. The Denver Nuggets, they win again last night. They're now five and a half games up on Memphis for the first spot in the Western Conference. So they're in a really good spot. Jokic recording his 100th career triple-double, just the sixth player in NBA history to do that. I'm looking at FanDuel right now, Jake. Jokic is the prohibitive favorite to win the NBA MVP. If you had to look at one other player, maybe someone who could challenge Jokic in the final quarter of the season here to win MVP, who would it be? My thoughts for the last couple of years has been Joel Embiid. And when I went down to Philadelphia on Saturday to watch them play the Celtics, they came just short. Um, but Embiid really has been – I mean, I, I watched Giannis in person last night. It was his first game back from injury. I believe his first game back uh, following the All-Star break. And, and Giannis is breathtaking to watch in person as well. But – Embiid and the way he just absorbs so much oxygen on both sides of the floor where he's not just protecting the rim on defense, he's obliterating a lot of attempts that come down the lane at his basket and stalking that back line just like an absolute menace. And when he catches the ball on the left block extended or at the elbow and you need to throw a double team at him to stop him and he can pass out of it, he's just so impressive to watch and while Jokic is fantastic, I think you know these guys are neck and neck. He's the guy that I have found myself in person being the most blown away by how much he impacts the game on both sides of the floor. That's not to, to dismiss Jokic at all. I think these guys are, you know, inches apart. I'm not saying which one which one I really truly believe is better because on any given night it, 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 it's a toss up that changes. Um, but if, you, if I have to pick someone to give him a run for his money, it's indeed. Yeah, it'll be an interesting race down the stretch here. Jokic and the Nuggets having such a big lead in the West. I mean, I think that certainly will work into his advantage. And, you know, the countless triple-doubles he racks up seemingly every night. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for doing this. Great to have you on the show. Let's do it again soon. You got it, guys. Thank you. Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports. And, yeah, Jokic. I may have a wager on Jokic plus 120 to win the NBA MVP, full disclosure. So let's try. every time we have any, a potential voter on, on the show, I try to convince them. Jokic, look at all those triple doubles, man. You better be casting a vote in his direction. <laughs> Shout out to him. What a, what a player, too. I mean, 63% from the field and averaging a triple double. I mean, that is just obscene. Two yeah. straight NBA MVPs, soon to be three. We'll welcome Dan Rosen from NHL.com. Uh, one of our favorites, he's going to join us on the other side. We'll get the vibe in New York City this morning following the acquisition of Patrick Kane. Expected to make his debut tomorrow night against the Ottawa Senators. Dan Rosen's next. The fourth hour first up continues here on TSN 1050. Karolnik and Koliakvo. No trades yet this morning, Carlo. Like, What's going on? Are NHL general managers asleep at the wheel here? We've been privy to so much action over the last 48 Dude. hours or so. 
if we're waiting for Kyle Dubas to get the fireworks starting <laughs> again, they're on the West Coast, which Good means point. yesterday, the, the last two days, it's happened sometime between 3 and 4 o'clock, which is right after lunch on West Coast time. So overdrive will be getting another layup today you would think because the last two days have been layup shows for them like it's just amazing i'm watching these guys you guys are breaking trades i'm like i wonder how much fun that would be it's the it's the most show like that honestly it's the most fun thing uh when things are happening and you're reacting live that really tests the true metal of a broadcaster as well kudos to the guys on overdrive the last couple of days for doing a really good job and We've got a guy on the line who always does a good job. He's a senior writer for NHL.com, the host of NHL The Rink Podcast, our friend Dan Rosen back on the show. Dan, good morning. What's going on? What's up, guys? Nothing much. Just driving down to Philadelphia. I live in New Jersey, driving down to Philadelphia, where I will not be seeing Patrick Kane, but I will be seeing the New York Rangers. (laughs) Nice. Well, Dan, what's the level of excitement for you, considering what the Rangers have been able to do at this trade deadline, now acquiring Patrick Kane. I mean, yesterday was bonkers with the NHL, which was so much fun to watch. But are you guys having just as much fun with this? Yeah, you know what? I mean, look, for me, it's it's always exciting, whether it's in my local market, something happening or just stuff happening around the league. You know, I'm going to be covering it regardless. But when it is in your local market, as you guys probably know too, and I'm sure you're feeling it as well, there is a little added something to it because it just feels bigger when it's right around you and it's pretty cool i i mean you want it when you're doing this job you want to i always say i root for me which means i root for good stories um really interesting storylines to follow and no overtime in the playoffs and uh you know i mean when you're doing this job you're getting great stories, and you're getting guys like Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko coming into your market. It, it's pretty significant. It's it's fun to be covering a team, in you know, in your local market here. And I cover the whole league, but it is fun to be covering a team in your local market that is all in and all invested because it really you get a sense of excitement around it. You know, when Kane comes to the Garden tomorrow night. It's going to be a great big buzz in that building tomorrow night. Absolutely. Well, and and it's not only the Rangers making big moves. Of course, the New Jersey Devils trading for Timo Meyer, the Islanders trading for Bo Horvat. It's a really exciting time to be a a hockey fan in the New York area. But with regards to Kane in particular, there has been some debate about what type of impact he could make for a team like the Rangers. I don't think anyone could debate the price they paid to bring him in. I mean, a conditional second, which could become a first if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals and a fourth-round pick. I mean, that's a no-brainer. And the fact that he was only willing to go to the Rangers was the reason that the price was so low. But as far as his impact, Dan, you think Patrick Kane's going to bring showtime to MSG come playoff time? (laughs) Well, first off, back to what you were just saying, you're 100% right about it. I mean, it is a great time to be a hockey fan in this market. Timo Meyer, New Jersey, Bo Horvat, obviously – with the Islanders, all three teams could be in the playoffs. Uh, the, the Rangers and the Devils could be playing each other in the first round. Uh, in regards to Kane, you know, in regards to Kane, like it's an absolute slam dunk. It's a no-brainer. I mean, they're getting a Hall of Fame player who's still got a lot of game left for 25 cents on the dollar, and they didn't have to give up a first. They didn't have to give up anything off of their roster. And maybe it becomes a first-round pick. But if it becomes a first-round pick, 
it's because they're playing in the they're one of the last four teams standing. You know, they got to get to the Eastern Conference Final for that. And at that point, they take it just like they did last year with the Andrew Cobb trade. They were willing to part with that first round pick to Winnipeg because they got to the Eastern Conference Final. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to fit in great. It's going to be interesting to see where Gerard Gallant slots him at first. There's a lot of discussion now about him playing with Artemi Panarin or together for the Blackhawks. Panarin won the Calder, and Kane won the Hart when they played together on the same line with the Blackhawks. So that would make sense with Vincent Trocek in the middle and leaving Tarasenko, Chris Kreider, and Mika Zibanejad as the, as the other top six line. I think it actually could work best with Kane playing with Zibanejad and Kreider and Tarasenko with Panarin and Trocek because in that case you've got uh, a net front driver on each line and Trocek on one and Kreider on the other. You've got a shooter on each line and Tarasenko on one and Zibanejad on the other. And you got a disher who flies the zone on each line in Kane on one and, and Panarin on the other. So that'll be interesting to see where it goes right now and also how their power play sets up. To me, you just put Patrick Kane in his spot on the right circle and let him distribute the puck all over the place. And considering, look at the vision you'll have on that power play with Fox and Kane and Panarin. It's going to be incredible to watch that puck zip around the ice. Um, so I don't see how it's bad in any possible way for the Rangers, to be honest with you. Dan, let's uh, shift our focus to the place you're driving from in New Jersey where they make a big splash this this uh, trade deadline. They bring in Timo Meyer. Do you think Timo Meyer coming in, is something that you look at and say this is a move that you expect the Devils to lock him up long term? Well, it's gonna be I, I do um, unless it for some reason doesn't work out and they can trade him, right? You know, at, at that point. Um, but they're he, they have control of him now. It's it's control. You you know they're not gonna sign Timo Meyer to a ten million dollar a year contract. I, I don't see that happening. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, they are uh, a team that needed, in my estimation, this type of player. You know, like a power forward who scores a lot of goals, wins battles all over the ice, fits into your top six. He could play with Hughes. He could play with Heashier. I think it's a perfect fit uh, on paper. It's a perfect fit on paper. I love the move. I love the Devils going all in. I do think that they're going to work to try to get an extension done here. How that impacts a guy like Jesper Bratt will be interesting because he's such an important piece for them as well. <laughs> so we'll see on that. But I don't mind. I, 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 thought it, I think it's an obvious gamble getting him without an extension in place. But in a way, I don't mind it because it really does give the Devils an idea, some time to get a sense of how he fits and if he fits and where he fits. Because this team is putting it all together now to be built for a long run. And they have, they'll have some time now to see if Timo Meyer fits into that. And I, I mean, I, I think he does. I don't think, he, I don't think anybody thinks he doesn't. It's just a matter of then working the dollars, you know, in the cap to make it all work out. We're in conversation with Dan Rosen, senior writer for NHL.com. Dan, you mentioned you're heading to Philadelphia where there was an interesting press conference taking place yesterday with their general manager. Basically comes out and says, hey, we're open for business. We are sellers. Yeah. But I, I do wonder, I guess, JVR, he's a guy who will likely be on the way out. Do you expect any other big names like 
Konechny's, maybe Scott Lawton, someone of that ilk to be moved before the deadline? Well, here, here's what I got to say. They haven't used the term rebuild in Philadelphia, but it, it sounds like that's kind of what they're looking at here, even if it's a try to attempt of a, a rebuild on the fly, if you will. And I think it's time that they did this. It's kind of just been patchwork for a while here in Philly, and, and, and you can't win patchwork. You, just, you, you can't win with patchwork rosters. It just doesn't work. Um, I think if I like Kevin Hayes a lot, I think if they could trade him and get some value back for him, they would do it. Uh, it are you going to win with him? You know, like that, that's, if, if you're looking at a, at, a, at a window here of, you know, three years or whatever it might be, I don't know what they're thinking. Like, does it make sense to have a Kevin Hayes on your roster? I, I don't think it does, you know. So I'm not saying that that move happens now. I, I could see it happening now or after the season. I, I think that's kind of where you're going. I think Chuck Fletcher saying they're open for business is not just for the deadline now, the advance of 3 p.m. Eastern on Friday. It's for everything that comes after the season as well. He is letting everyone know around the league that the Philadelphia Flyers need to change and are willing to part with players who might have value to another team. And JVR obviously makes sense to get moved. There's no reason for him to stay in Philadelphia. If they can get a draft pick for him, you do that. It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense not to do that. He's not going to resign. Um, there's a few others there that may, you know, are interesting as well. What about Provorov? You know, I mean, Provorov, he, he's an interesting one. Obviously, you know, there was the whole thing that, you know, the division in the locker room off of the, uh, you know, the stuff with the, the, the pride jersey and whatnot. But um, we'll see where I – don't, I don't think that's an impetus to trade him. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's part of the story now. Uh, they should be open for business. Uh, it's interesting, though, as they go into this quote-unquote rebuild that they have John Tortorella as their coach. Not exactly a rebuild coach. Right. <laughs> Uh, Dan, uh, help us understand why Jacob Chikrin has not been traded yet. I mean, the most bizarre situation that the NHL um, is still, you know, that we that we're witnessing in the NHL. This guy for two years has been trying to get a trade. Uh, apparently, they were close on some with some teams uh, a couple days ago. But what do you know about the situation about why he hasn't been traded? Asking price. That's what I've heard. It's just simply the asking price, and teams are not willing to pay what the Arizona Coyotes are asking for him. What that price exactly is, I couldn't tell you, but I do think it involves multiple first-round picks. And, you know, I mean, I like Jacob Chikrin as a player. He comes with term. He's in the prime of his career or entering the prime of his career. Still a young D, plays well, hard to play, all that stuff. But is he worth multiple first-round picks? You know, I don't know, you know. So I, I think the only way he gets traded before the deadline is if the Coyotes come down on their asking price. But on the flip side of that, they don't have to come down on their asking price. They don't have to trade him. You know, I mean, he's not a rental. He's signed. It, it's, it's a unique situation of a young player like this who signed, to a long, who signed for multiple years, wants to be traded, but the team is in control here, and he's just going to have to deal with that. So does he eventually get traded? I, I would think he does. And I do think in the end the Coyotes are just going to have to come down 
from their asking price to make it happen. <laughs> Excuse me, but as of right now, they don't have to do that because they can stick to it, and if they don't get it, they can wait until the offseason to determine what the next move is with Jacob Chicker. Dan, do you think Kyle Dubas and the Toronto Maple Leafs have another move up their sleeve, perhaps for a goaltender? I mean, they've already traded for a bunch of forwards, a bunch of defensemen. May as well get a goalie, too, right? <laughs> um, I mean, if we're looking at the Leafs right now, we obviously say that would be the area of concern, especially as you enter the playoffs and go up against Andre Vasilevsky. I don't know that they can necessarily upgrade at the position in a in – a, in an impactful way, we'll see. I mean, it's not as if Vasilevsky is becoming available to them or Olmark or anybody, you know what I mean? So it might just be an is-what-it-is situation and go ahead and win anyway. I mean, look, I like Darcy Kemper, but he's not a, exactly you know, a Vezina Trophy guy all the time, but he won the Stanley Cup with the Avalanche because the team in front of him played really well, and he did his job, and that's what the Leafs are going to have to get, I think, from their goaltending. If That's what the Leafs will have to get from their goaltending if they don't upgrade. But I, I love what Dubas has done here. Ah, listen, I mean, he's the rental, too. You know I mean? He's yeah. the guy who's got to have, put this team in the position where it can win this season, or he's going to be out on the market somewhere after the season. And he knows that. He has shifted all of it to the players. He said, I've given you everything you guys need that I could get for you right now to fill out this roster. Go win. You want to go beat Tampa in the playoffs? You got to be hard to play against. You got to be able to score. You got to be able to rattle them, and you got to be able to lean on them. He's built a roster that can do all that. If they if they don't do it, it's on the players, and that's their legacy. I don't think it's Kyle Dubas' legacy. Dan, thank you for doing this. Safe travels to Philadelphia, and if you run into Scott Lawton this evening, tell him that Carlo and Aaron say hello. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll do. Thanks a lot, yep, guys. We love lots. So we love we love you too, Dan. Thank you for doing this. That Dan Rosen from NHL.com, host of NHL The Rink, the podcast. My FanDuel best bets coming up on the other side. Leafs Oilers tonight. It's got to be high scoring, right? I'll reveal my thoughts next. Time now for today's Best Bets, brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It does seem a little bit chalky, I will concede, but the Leafs and the Oilers are going over 6.5 tonight, right? With all that offensive firepower on both sides, the Oilers give up goals like it's going out of style. Although, Matias Eko, maybe he you know, can kind of shore up some of the deficiencies by the Oilers, but that's not happening tonight. We're taking the over of six and a half goals. We're also on the New York Rangers tonight at Philadelphia. I'm sure the Flyers sitting there listening to their GM saying, hey, who wants our players? That'll really reaffirm a lot of a lot of uh, intensity heading into tonight's game where they host the Rangers, a team that is looking to go on a significant playoff run. I will take NYR on the puck line. And lastly, in the NBA this evening, Kevin Durant making his debut with the Suns and I think Phoenix takes it to the Hornets a team without LaMelo Ball for the rest of the year Uh, that's Phoenix minus 10 in that one today's best bets brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today have a lot of work being done in my condominium today Coco we've got a new sink being put in new microwave being installed some caulking done as well. Big day here in the Corolla Nick household. 
Work that, the that reason? would only be done by Derek Truba usually, but yes. it's being done by somebody else. Was that the reason why your fire alarm went off yesterday? A lot of well, it's funny. No, off? no, it's funny you say that. The real reason is because there was a fire across the street from me. <laughs> A significant really? fire. Look up Myth Restaurant yesterday on, on King I West. I did see that. I did see B- that. Significant fire, probably like 50 steps from where I live. And so why were, some... why were people knocking on your door? Were they trying to get uh, you I guess the they building? were trying to get me out or something because there was some residual smoke. The fire apparently was it was an arson investigation yeah, going on. I saw but the, that. the fire started at like 5, 6 in the morning, and I guess there was some residual smoke that was – you know, wafting its way over to my place, and that set off the fire. Somebody pulled the fire alarm, maybe. I'm not sure exactly, but I probably next time, <laughs> when I hear the fire alarm going off for as long as it was yesterday, I'd be like, okay, maybe. No, I, when somebody knocks wanna... on your door, you should probably take it serious. <laughs> I remember the fire alarm. Tur- like yelling like, get out of here. I'm working. <laughs> but I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I had no idea there was a significant fire. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of that restaurant, man. That's. That's really sad stuff. I mean, basically the entire place was incinerated. It's awful, awful stuff. Fortunately, no one was in there, uh, which would have been a lot more awful. But, uh, yeah, I mean, best of luck to everybody trying to figure out what to do with that because, you know, you got to basically gut the entire place, right? I mean, the whole place was burnt down. It was a really nice restaurant. And, and like, you could see – I walk outside now, and, like, you see – I open up my balcony door, and it just reeks of fire and, like, excess smoke. And it's just really sad for for the neighborhood. But – Whatever, hopefully they figure out what happened there and uh, get everything back uh, operational as soon as possible. But, uh, yeah, that was the story with my fire alarm. There was a fire. Not in my building, but in a adjacent one, no doubt. So we'll be back tomorrow morning, uh, 6 a.m. Big show. James Duthie will join us. Maybe we'll get a little bit of a look into the song that they have posted on Trade Center. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, yeah, 20 Fingers sending the picture there. See, that's... What's going on down there um, at Myth Restaurant? But, uh, yeah, Duffy will be on the show. We'll talk to Mike Johnson as well. Big knife tonight and Leafs and Oilers. Doesn't really get much better than that. The first meeting between these two teams uh, in a long time. So I'm fired up to see how they try to slow down McDavid. Good luck with that. No one's (laughs) been able to do that at all this year. So uh, thank you to Cheese. Thank you to 20 Fingers. Thank you to our callers today. Fantastic edition of Wake Up Woodbridge. A lot of positivity emanating from Leafs Nation. You heard it on Wake Up Woodbridge, and you heard it all show long here on First Up. If you missed any of the show, make sure to check out the podcast, wherever podcasts are found. And while you're there, subscribe. Give us a nice five-star rating and a nice review as well. Coco, you and I will be back tomorrow morning, bright and early at 6 a.m. Can't wait, buddy. Ciao.